Good afternoon. I want to thank you very much for this opportunity to share God's Word with you and to uh, be blessed by you today with the testimonies. Uh, it's so good to be home. Uh, I want to thank the elders for giving me this opportunity. Uh, we are still settling in. Uh, you see us here every, almost every weekend now for the last few weekends. Uh, but we haven't found a church yet. Please pray for us. And we just got our goods, put everything into a store, big storage locker. Uh, they efficiently played Tetris and put everything in. And we shut the door on it. And uh, we're still unpacking. So uh, please pray for us. Uh, thank you for reading uh, the passage. I uh, was uh, on the internet. I was browsing uh, a blog. And the blog was, uh, sorry, it was a set of posts. And it was talking about uh, the worst journey experiences. So there was one person who said, uh, my worst journey experience was when I was 10 years old. Let's name this guy Ravi. And he said, uh, my parents and I, we uh, flew to Mumbai, India, and uh, we were going to uh, visit my uh, grandparents who lived about 100 miles away from Mumbai. As soon as we landed, uh, we, my grandmother and my uncle were there. They were going to visit. I mean, they received us, and we were going to head to the uh, train station. Now it was a, a few hours train ride, and they would have been home. But uh, Ravi's uh, grandmother said, you know what, why are we, why are we taking a train? Um, let's, let's take a cab. And so uh, for some reason, his parents said, well, of course, why not? Let's, let's do it. So they all found the biggest cab they could get into, and uh, Ravi's uncle, Ravi's dad, and mom, and grandma, and Ravi's brother, and Ravi, and obviously the cab driver, were all stuffed into this cab. And they decided to drive the 100 miles to the grandparents' village. Now, the first 50 miles were great. And it was a good journey. They enjoyed India. As they were going through the mountains, they suddenly encountered bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. Uh, when they looked to the side, it was just a ravine with no shoulder. Uh, there's no other lane on this side, and the car wasn't moving. They soon found out it's because there was a strike, and um, the truck drivers had blocked off the uh, path, and they were stuck over there. They said, I mean, it's been a fun 50 miles. Let's, let's enjoy. Five hours passed, and they're still not moving. And so they started to get a little anxious. What's going on? Ravi said, you know, my 10-year-old self started to realize that the driver started to smell real bad. And that started filling up the cab. Then my little brother soiled his diaper. So that started filling up the cab. We said, okay, no problem, let's open the windows. It so happened that it was monsoon. And so there's a torrential downpour. So the monsoon is raining on this cab. They close the windows and then realize there are holes on the top of the cab. So they're getting soaked. So it's a smelly cab. They've been there for five hours already in, in uh, standstill traffic, and water is soaking in through the roof of the cab. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. What do you think Ravi's parents would have done if they knew what would be along their journey? Would they have chosen differently? Would they have, uh, would they have prepared differently? Uh, you and I, we are on a journey of discipleship. We are following the Lord. One of the things that does concern us is, what does this journey actually involve? Uh, is there something we have to do to prepare for this journey? So what I wanted to do is turn your attention to Mark chapter 1, verse 1 to 20, to find out 
what this journey involves, and if we know what it involves, then we can prepare better. Uh, first, we're going to look at John. Then we're going to look at Jesus. Finally, we're going to look at the disciples and an application for our passage today. So first, we're going to look at John. Then we're going to look at Jesus and then the disciples and an application. Uh, Mark starts the gospel by saying that this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He introduces that the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is both the gospel that Jesus preaches and it's the gospel about Jesus. So Jesus, the gospel of Mark is the gospel that Jesus preaches about himself. What is this gospel about? We're going to think. We look at verse 2 and it says this is a gospel about a way being prepared. He uses the word way twice uh, and the word path once in verse 2 and 3. It says, we will prepare a way, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. This is an Old Testament allusion to the people of Israel who were disobedient, and God had said, you're going to go into exile. You're going to go into exile, and it's like being in the wilderness back in the Exodus story. But there will one day come someone who is going to make paths in the wilderness to the Lord and going to bring the people of God back to him. And Mark starts out by saying, this is the gospel of Jesus. It's about the path in the wilderness being prepared so the people of God can return to him. And so Mark starts out by talking about this path. We later see as we go through Mark that he now calls the path of the disciples as they follow Jesus the same path to the Lord. So this path that, that um, is being prepared in the wilderness is not only for the Jews, to return to the Lord, but also for you and me who believe in Jesus and are following in that path. And I want us to look at what it says. First, we see John. Now, John, it says in verse uh, 4, John appeared. It doesn't introduce him. It doesn't say anything. It just says, John appeared. He comes out of nowhere. Who is this man? Where does he come from? Who called him over there? We, we know nothing if we read that, Right? We, but what we do see hinted over here is this John is the voice that is crying in the wilderness from verse 2 and 3. So who called this voice? About 700 years before this, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, through the prophet Isaiah, calls this voice and says, this voice will be calling for the paths to be made straight in the wilderness. This voice will be calling people back to the Lord. We see John the Baptist standing over there and doing something because he was called many years ago, even before his birth, by God the Holy Spirit through the prophet Isaiah. What is he doing? It says, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. This man is doing what Jesus was introduced to be doing. He's preaching a gospel, some good news. And what's the gospel? The gospel is uh, uh, repentance, uh, repent, and you will have the forgiveness of sins. In Israel at that time, there's only one place where sins are forgiven. It's at the temple. You go with your sacrifice, you offer your offering, and you receive forgiveness from the Lord. But here's a man who's in the wilderness saying, if you repent and you are baptized, out here in the wilderness, you will receive forgiveness of sin. He is the one that is preparing this path that Jesus is going to walk on, the one that is going to bring the Israelites back to God. The second thing we see 
is he isn't preaching out in Jerusalem. He's preaching out in the desert. What's the desert? The desert is the place where the Israelites were tested in Exodus, right? And God brought many temptations their way or allowed temptations to come their way to see how they would respond to him. And so now here's John in the wilderness, and he's preaching because God the Holy Spirit had called many years before his birth and, had, and has appointed him to be this one that prepares the way. What's the third thing that happens? We see that he's uh, preparing the way, he's in the wilderness, and we also see that he's preaching repentance. What is repentance? No complex definition. A turning of one mind, one's mind and heart away from, God, away from sin and toward God. We know this definition already. Okay, and so the, the thing is very simple. Mark starts out very, very simply. He says, this is a message of Jesus by Jesus. And by the way, John, who was called by the Holy Spirit 700 years ago, is the one who's presenting this gospel to the people of Israel. Now, John is obeying God. John's out in the wilderness. John's um, uh, preaching. So what's the consequence of what's happening when he obeys God? We see this in chapter one, sorry, in verse six. It says, now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. What's happening? Is that um, a comfortable life or is that a life of being uncomfortable when they obeyed God? It's a life of being uncomfortable. He looks like a wild man. In fact, he actually looks like the description of Elijah from the Old Testament. Here's a man who's telling God's people to return and repent. He lives not like the people of Israel lived. He eats not what they ate. He lives a life of difficulty and hardship when he chooses to obey God. Suffering seems to be part of this life. Much more than that, what happens to the end? Look at verse 14. If you could turn to verse 14. It says, now after John was arrested... He was called 700 years ago. He obeyed God and had to live in harsh conditions in the wilderness. He had to eat locusts, dress as a wild man, and at last, he's arrested. In fact, the word arrested is the Greek word paradidomi, which means he was handed over or he was delivered or he was betrayed. Those who were reading the Gospel of John knew that this man wasn't just in prison. It ended up with him losing his head. A man who was called by the Spirit of God, who lived in obedience to God, suffered for God, ended up being arrested and losing his life. Now, for some of us, being in a fur coat might be our dream. But being in a fur coat while in the desert, uh, chasing after insects and, and declaring a message that is probably counterintuitive to what people have ever heard before, seems a little rough for me. I don't know what that seems to, seems to be for you. It does seem like suffering and sacrifice and hardship. I want us to turn our attention to, to Jesus, even as, as uh, Mark turns our attention to Jesus. It says, in those days, verse 9, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn, op torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, 
you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Mark starts out not just by saying this is the gospel of Jesus, but he also introduces Jesus as being the son of God. That's in verse 1. The son of God, we often think, is a divine term. But the Psalms tell us that the son of God is a royal term. It's a term for kings. So Mark introduces Jesus as this king who we're expecting. Hosea and many of the other prophets have told us that the people of Israel, if they repent, when they're in exile, will be, driv- will be taken back to the land and their Davidic king will rule over them. That was the promise that they look forward to. Mark's telling us, guys, this is your Davidic king. Not only is he the Davidic king, it says he's the one, uh, and the father calls him and he says, this is the one in whom I am well pleased. He isn't just a Davidic king, but he is the anointed one from Psalm 2, the son that pleases the father. And he is the one in whom all have to take refuge. John was called by the Holy Spirit. Jesus called by the father. What, what happens next? He's commissioned. We see in verse 14, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. So what he's doing is proclaiming the gospel. What is the content of this gospel? Time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God, the king is proclaiming that the kingdom of God is at hand. What are they supposed to do? Repent and believe in the gospel. Is this exactly what John was doing? It's exactly what John was doing. Preaching the gospel, preaching repentance, and asking people to turn back to the Lord. So John was called by God. Jesus is called by God. John is preaching the gospel. Jesus is preaching the gospel. John is saying repent. Jesus is saying repent. John's in the wilderness. What about Jesus? Let's look at verse 10. No, sorry. Let's look at verse 12 and look at verse 13. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Jesus, too, was in the wilderness. Was it a good life, his best life now? It wasn't. It says something odd. It says he was being tempted by Satan, and he was with wild animals. Now, if we read the Old Testament, we'll see that wild animals is actually an allusion to spiritual warfare. It is demonic hosts. It's the, um, it is the rulers and principalities that uh, ruled other nations. We see them in the forms of different animals, even in the prophetic books. And so we see Jesus, who was obedient to the Father, who was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness, is now being uh, tempted by Satan and was with wild animals. Not a life without sacrifice, and not a life without suffering. I also want to highlight another thing between the two, John and Jesus. John, it does not say that John had the Holy Spirit, but however, it says that John was clothed like Elijah. Now, we know when we read the story of Elijah in the Old Testament, Elijah was a man who was filled with the Spirit of God. And they knew that because Elisha said, I want two portions of that Spirit. So the illusion is that here is a man in the wilderness doing God's work, And while he's suffering, the Spirit of God is with him. We look at Jesus, and here's a man who's doing God's work, and while he's in the wilderness suffering, the Spirit of God is with him. What was the end of Jesus? What was the consequence? We see later in chapter 13, 14, 15, the same Greek word used, paradidomi. 
he was arrested and he was betrayed. What was the end result of arrest, being arrested and betrayed for Jesus? He was killed. John was called by the Spirit. Jesus was called by the Father. John obeyed and suffered. Jesus obeyed and suffered. Their end was that they were arrested and they were killed, both of them. But yet, through their suffering, God the Holy Spirit was with them and empowering them. Third, I want us to look at the disciples. Verse 16, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he, that's Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea. Why is the Sea of Galilee important? It's important because as we read through the story, we're going to see the disciples fall and they're going to fail. In fact, one of them even betrays Jesus. But in the last chapter, in chapter 16, you're going to see Jesus say, Peter, go back to Jerusalem and I will go there and meet you. Not Jerusalem, sorry, Galilee. Go back to Galilee and I will go there and meet you. John, Peter gets to start over with this walk of discipleship. Uh, Galilee is an important marker as you go on. But even as he called them, we see something important. The first thing is that they were called, I'm sorry, I have a printout. My Bible's still in my box. Uh, it says, and Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Who calls the disciples this time? God the Son. John was called by God the Holy Spirit. Jesus was called by God the Father. And now the disciples called by God the Son. The Trinity involved in calling. But what would their commission be? What would they do? It says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Now I want us to go back to John and think about him. What was John doing when people repented? He would take them and put them into water and bring them out. Those that believed were baptized. What happened with Jesus? The one who comes will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Jesus was associated with baptism as well. What's happening here? He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What do you think people would think when they read this and they thought of the disciples pulling people out of water? What are they doing? Following the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So here are people who are called to follow the same path, build the kingdom of God. John prepared the path, Jesus declared the kingdom, and here are the disciples being called to follow and build the kingdom of God. And so it says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately, this is Simon and Andrew, they left their nets and followed him. They left their nets and followed him. Sacrifice? And going on a little farther, he saw James and the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, who were in their boats, mending their nets. And immediately he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with his hired servants and followed him. These disciples too, when they followed the call of Jesus and the commission that they were going to obey, had to sacrifice and suffer in some way. John was called, John obeyed, John was arrested, and John was killed. I have to follow this, the other one, right to left. Okay, Jesus was called, Jesus was commissioned, Jesus obeyed and suffered, Jesus was arrested, and the Lord Jesus was killed. The disciples were called, 
the disciples were commissioned. In chapter 6, we see that the disciples were in the wilderness. In chapter 3, we see the disciples preaching. In chapter 13, he says, and they will arrest you. Paradidomi. What are the disciples supposed to expect next? Does this still seem attractive to those who have been called to follow the commission of building the kingdom? One of the things that was promised when, when uh, John preached is he said, this one, Jesus, will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And when the disciples, not just the apostles, but those who followed Jesus later on, read the Gospel of Mark, they knew, yes, we have received this Holy Spirit as well. So if we have received the Holy Spirit, then I guess we should suffer and we should expect sacrifice and maybe even death. Now, the question is, what does following the Lord Jesus involve? And the simple answer is suffering, sacrifice, and maybe even death. If we look at the apostles, not all of them suffered the same way. Not all of them made the same sacrifice. Even in the, the walk of the various disciples of Jesus over the last 2,000 years, suffering was not exactly the same. Not everybody suffers necessarily also for the gospel. But suffering is a part of what the disciples of Jesus ought to expect in their life. Now, how do we apply this text? I think that it is very hard for me to ask you to embrace suffering. Because many of us, as we even went through our testimony time today, it's very obvious that many of us are suffering. And we often think, in my, including myself, in, especially in North America, that suffering is an alien part of our life. That actually our life should be without suffering. And suffering is foreign, it should go away, and my life should be without suffering. I think what Mark is challenging us to do over here is realize that the life of the disciple, if you choose your mission, should you choose to accept it, is filled with suffering and sacrifice. I don't have an application for how we can suffer more, but I do know how we could apply probably as a New Life Bible Chapel kingdom building with, um, with sacrifice. Uh, I think over the last few weeks that I've been here, uh, I think there's been a call to go out to help with a discipleship program. Um, and I know that that's one more thing to add to the list of things to do for the week in order to, um, sorry, in addition to going to work and taking care of the kids, and some of us don't have kids, uh, being with our friends, taking care of things at home. Um, I want to challenge you. Think about how you can help build God's kingdom here in this church. Uh, sacrifice doesn't always mean our heads getting cut off or being nailed to a cross. It starts off with small things. Um, but I do want us to join me in a prayer uh, that a Puritan wrote a few hundred years ago, a few hundreds of years ago. Uh, even as you think about this, um, and you think about how we can apply um, 
the life of embracing suffering and sacrifice in uh, building God's kingdom. Could we put it up on the thing? If you could stand with me and read this out with me. Uh, it's one before. Yes. Known but beyond knowledge, revealed but unrevealed, our wants and welfare draw us to you, for you have never said, seek me in vain. To you we come in our difficulties, necessities, distresses. Possess us with yourself, with a spirit of grace and supplication, with a prayerful attitude of mind, with access into warmth of fellowship, so that in the ordinary concerns of life, our thoughts and desires may arise to you. And in habitual devotion, may we find a resource that will soothe our sorrows, sanctify our successes, and qualify us in all ways for dealings with our fellow men. We bless you because you have made us capable of knowing you, the author of all being, of resembling you, the perfection of all excell excellencies, of enjoying you, the source of all happiness. O oh God, attend us in every part of our arduous and trying pilgrimage. We need the same counsel, defense, comfort we found at our beginning. Let our religion be more obvious to our conscience, more perceptible to those around. While Jesus is representing us in heaven, may we reflect him on earth. While he pleads our cause, may we show forth his praise. Continue the gentleness of your goodness toward us. And whether we wake or sleep, let your presence go with us. Your blessing attend to us. You have led us on, and we have found your promises true. We have been sorrowful, but you have been our help. Fearful, but you have delivered us. Despairing, but you have lifted us up. Your vows are ever upon us, and we praise you, O God. Brothers and sisters, John followed God's calling. And following God's calling caused him to have a life of suffering. Jesus followed God's calling. And following God's calling, he wasn't a king sitting on a throne. He was one in the wilderness, suffering where Israel would not. The disciples were called and commissioned. And when they obeyed Jesus, they suffered and they were handed over. They were betrayed. They were arrested. If God is calling you to be a disciple, my prayer is that you would see that God the Holy Spirit is going to walk alongside with you. But you should be able to embrace suffering, not just as an alien to your life and my life, but we should be able to see, Lord, the suffering that comes into our life helps me prepare to walk with you. May the God that called Jesus, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you as you choose to walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.